So, hi, and welcome to another Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. Today, Michelle and I are joined by Sarah Duncan, who is a sustainable business development and marketing consultant and author of The Ethical Business Book. Welcome, Sarah, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great. So I think, you know, I think we should jump straight in here because we all have a passion for sustainability. Uh, we all do marketing and know marketing and we've all written books around the subject. So you work with organizations on sustainable business development and ethical marketing. What is it you're seeing at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we can't sort of, we can't start without talking about the COVID uncertainty. That's got to be the, the biggest challenge that most businesses are facing at the moment. And because of it, they are looking at things in a very short-term way, um, mm. making a lot of short-term decisions. And we know that short-termism is one of the enemies of sustainability. Um, but it's completely understandable that people are in survival mode. And so those two things are clearly, there's a tension between the two. Um, one of the, I, I've been saying this quote quite a lot, but I love it. Um, a, you, you will know, but a lady called um, Christiana Figueres, who is the author of The Future We Choose. She was also a former UN Executive Secretary um, for Climate Change. She was doing an interview last year and she just brilliantly summed it up that essentially us, civilization, we're, we're facing two health issues. We've got COVID, which is an acute condition. Yeah. And so very rightly, it's taking all of our attention at the moment because it needs that immediate focus. But we've got the second issue, which is an underlying chronic health mm. issue. Yeah. And that's the climate, the environmental crisis. And, and that's not going away. And so we all have to treat those two things in unison. And I think that's really challenging for businesses because of that kind of desperate short-term stuff when really we have to also be looking at the long-term. So I think the good news there is that people are talking about green recovery. So I think if we can look at that treating those two things in unison, think about always we will recover from this, but how can we do it? How can we learn from it and, and build back better, as everyone's saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and you know, the, t the clock is ticking, isn't it? And it's not stopping for sustainability. And Michelle and I, you know, we've been talking about as we were going through the pandemic, oh, and we still are, but last year when it was all kicking off, it's, you know, what if sustainability falls back to the bottom of everybody's agenda? It, it can't, it absolutely can't. And I know that it's, you know, the government's pushing it and governments around the world are, are, seem to be talking about it more now. And there seems to be a bit of an uprise. And, you know, Biden has just signed the US back into the, the climate Paris Climate Agreement, which is fantastic news. Um, but yeah, there's so much to juggle. So I guess, you know, what sort of conversations are you having with your um, with businesses that you're working with at the moment? Um. Well, a lot of it is around this kind of survival point. Right. But I mean, I must say, as um, a business consultant, I know it's really difficult for people at the moment, but the mantra that I'm now really fully on is this green recovery. 
because we have to learn from this moment. Yeah. You know, we have to take stock. We, you know, we can't control many things at the moment, and that's really, really scary for people. But we can control how we respond to it. Yeah. And if we can all respond with that longer-term thought in, in mind that we've, we need to be more resilient in the future... Because, you know, this is going to keep happening. These things are going to keep happening. We need to address the bigger issues. And so I think if we, we just have to keep having that conversation and not drop it at the first short-term hurdle, which is so often what happens in business. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that it's, it is an easy thing to drop because we go into firefight mode and we go into, we've got to survive, we've got to survive. And almost before COVID, we were, we were, it was a critical place, wasn't it, with, with climate change? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was the big story. And then, of course, COVID hit and became this detractor. But of course, the climate story isn't going away. And, and it was, I was looking yesterday, I know I shared this with Gemma that, Larry Fink, you know, the CEO of BlackRock, as, as he does this annual letter to CEOs, and he is, he seems to be relentless about this climate crisis. You know, it, it wasn't remotely about COVID. It was kind of like, well, I know there's an issue, yes, but that will be, we'll get over that, and we've, you know, we we can see a way through that. But you cannot take your eye off the ball from this climate crisis. And and for me, I felt really heartened by that. That the big investors are really taking this seriously, which has got to be opening up the eyes and ears of businesses now. Definitely. And that's the, we've always had this sort of um, interesting thing where you've got, you've got governments, you've got business and you've got finance. And quite often their agendas are really quite different and governments are waiting to see what businesses do. Businesses are waiting to see what governments do and finance sort of sitting in them on the sidelines looking at both and deciding which one to go for. Um, but it is heartening to see really big institutions like that talking about the long term. And as you said, Gemma, you know, the Americans now back in the room, um, that's got to be positive as well. Absolutely. I mean, they're a superpower, aren't they? Or, you know, they were and they, they will no doubt grow back um, to that. But for them to build back better is is key. We need them in the game, don't we? We need the world in the game. Um and I guess, I guess in terms of, um, you know, uh, discussions and, and, you know, almost pre-pandemic, have you seen, you know, is it our organisations, do they all have a different approach? And is there anything that, you know, all businesses can be doing to help, you know, even or start or take themselves through their sustainable journey? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where you've got sort of almost two sides to this. And this is the, the businesses that I'm talking to. Um, a lot of businesses are saying, right, we need to set up a group of people to address some of these issues. And that's brilliant. And you, you, you set up a few kind of environmental champions or kind of eco warriors within the business. And, and, and they're great because they can drive projects. Um, they can potentially work with external people and they can look at the big stuff like, you know, uh, supply chain management and environmental footprints and pathways to net zero and all that sort of big, big stuff. These champions can drive projects. And, but there is a thing there which businesses have different resources that they want to throw at that. Mm. And so that is a hindrance to some. 
But for me, all businesses can adopt a more sustainable approach. And, and this is almost more important, I think. And this is where we see the, the business is really doing it well. Um, and, and that's where, first of all, you've got, as you say in your book brilliantly, you've got to have brave, brave leadership. You've got to have strong, strong leadership, prepared to do gutsy stuff and, and to lead. Don't forget all the humans that you've got, 5,000. I think if a business, it's got to be kind of woven into the fabric of it. Mm, yeah. And by taking all those individual human beings and educating them on their impact on other people, on their communities, yeah. and on the, the environment and the planet, if you can educate them to change their behavior and approach to it, then you change the culture of the business. Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where the businesses that we stand out, that we look at in our case studies and, uh, and look up to, that's the difference. And that, that's something that keeps coming through, isn't it, in, in who we're talking to is, is a big part of, of tackling this is, is small changes, but on a mass scale. So, you know, consumers, business, government, every, you know, all, all of that stakeholder engagement chain that's so critical to, to drive this forward has to start somewhere. And you, you, can't, you can't boil the ocean, in, you know, in one go. You have to start somewhere, and if everybody does something, and we all understand what it is we're supposed to be doing collectively, then those little changes should, you know, build up to things. And and just to add on that, you know, it is a it is a theme that keeps coming back, and it, it kind of goes back to that being a responsible business. You know, what is the role of business, and 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 getting that right from the get go, and and making sure that it is baked into your brand and when you're onboarding team that they understand what you know your position is and and of course that is a shift and a change because there's lots of organizations like you say that have committees or you know CSR activities and they're kind of tick boxing aren't they it's not it's not embedded it's not baked in it's not part of the onboarding process it's just something that they're doing as an aside to say well you know Tick, we've done that now. We can park that over there. That's all done. We've, we, we can pacify that aspect. And, and that isn't, that's not enough. You know, there's a lot of businesses talking about struggle, but, you know, it, I was really dismayed on his behalf. I don't know if you've read Green Swans by John Elkington, no, but John no. Elkington was the um, originator of the triple bottom line. So... Um, I know you'll be familiar, but for people listening, the, the triple bottom line is effectively a business model that prioritizes not just profit, but people and planet as well. So not just financial performance, but, but environmental performance and societal performance. And it, it's a brilliant construct. It's used a lot in all the writing around sustainability. But he came out in his book last year and he said he, he essentially wanted to retract the concept not because it's bad, but because he was so dismayed by, by how it was being misused in business and how people were just looking at it as a, right, we've got a triple bottom line, tick box, yeah, done. Yeah. And one of the big kind of issues there, which links in, is we have fairly internationally understood frameworks for financial reporting, but we don't have the same maturity when it comes to non-financial reporting. So it's a bit apples and pears in business. Yeah. And so even with something like the triple bottom line, 
you can throw in a few initiatives and say you've got a triple bottom line without it having that kind of integrity it needs. So one of the things that I'm always sort of talking to businesses about is you've got to have, you've got to have clear action plans. You've got to have clear initiatives that you can measure with the metrics, all of those things so that you can report on them with the same authority that you do with your financial performance. And I think without that, it just doesn't have um, the, the integrity or it's not robust enough. It's just, you know, lip service to a lot of people. And that, and that's a, you know, that's a challenge. And it's, it's something we highlight in the book that we couldn't find metrics. You know, we spoke to all these, we spoke to all these leads at leading professional services and consultancies. And, you know, there isn't, there isn't a metric, you know, it was kind of like how, how are organizations accountable on this? Because they can just make it up as they go along. There isn't, there isn't anything they really have to be accountable about, but, but it, it does seem like regulation is, is going to come. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the points that's, um, you know, it's good about this talk about green recovery uh, and, you know, governments, I think, are they're having to, to they, they have to work now on their commitments towards the 2030 agenda, the United Nations um, Agenda for Sustainable Development. They've got to start working on their commitments. And so as a result of that, it's inevitable that you're going to see more penalties for bad corporate behaviour and more incentives for good corporate behaviour. And so, you know, I would hope that that in itself, yeah, changes the dynamic a bit. Yeah, I was, um, so yesterday I finally got around to reading some of the uh, the latest Edelman's Trust Barometer that they've just released for 2021. And interestingly, you know, last year it was that um, business was seen as a catalyst for change because they are competent, but NGOs are seen as the catalyst for change because they are ethical. This year, the big change mm-hmm. is business seems to be the only catalyst for change for the world, and they're being seen as competent and ethical for the first time. So, you know, I guess the question to you is, do you see business as a catalyst for change in our drive, you know, for the saving the planet? And, you know, how do, um, you know, governments don't seem to be giving much how to and consumers can only do so much. So, you know, what, what, do you, what is it? Do you agree that business is the catalyst for change in this? Um, I think I think it should be. I think it almost I think it's getting to a point where it will be forced to be. Um, whether it likes it or not. Um, Because I do think, like I say about the government side, I think it's been slow on the government side, but we will see more of that. I think we have to see more of that if they live up to their commitments. And on the customer side, I don't see any of these trends in rising conscious consumers or in people wanting to work for companies that stand for more than simply making a stack of cash. I don't see those trends changing at all. Uh, I, I see them increasing. So that's, that's already two pressures coming in yeah. on two sides of business. So if that's what it takes to, to, to force that change, then great. And I guess what, what are your views on, you know, the role marketing plays in this you know I keep going on about um, how marketing has you know we're about changing behaviors but and 
you know, people generally, if you say marketing, think advertising and sales. And yes, we have, we, I say we, marketing, and it is we, have driven, you know, purchase behaviors and consumption through the roof. Um, So we are, you know, there's a big part of the problem, but we've also done a lot, you know, through social marketing in terms of changing behaviors. Um, So yeah, what do you know, what do you believe marketing's role is in this? I think you're right what you just said, Gemma, but I, unfortunately, I think we've got a long way to go in terms of regaining trust in marketing. Um, I I did a, a, a talk actually with seeing with Chartered Institute of Marketing um, last year on, is it time for marketing to grow a conscience? And um, I was essentially saying it's sort of past that. It's time for marketing to become the conscience of a business. And it can only do that if it stands up and takes responsibility mm-hmm. for having been part of the problem yeah. and having contributed to this overconsumption that is part of the the, the big problem. Um, we marketing are responsible for helping companies sell a whole bunch of stuff that people probably didn't need. Yeah. Uh, and, and that generally has to, has to stop. And, and, you know, marketing has done it through being, as you say, through having the expertise and the skills and the, the art of persuasion. So, to, to take all those great qualities and to realign them with, um, with ensuring that brands do the right thing, you know, becoming proper brand custodians, protecting brand integrity, protecting brand reputation, and kind of driving that through. That's where I think marketing can, can make a real difference. And, and one of the things I'm always sort of slightly laughing about is if if we just encouraged everybody out there who's really good at marketing, all the best marketing people, the best agencies, if we just said, just go and work on, with the good companies, just don't work with anyone that's trashing the planet or, or mm. you know, being mean to people, go and work with the best companies and the best brands, then all that fantastic talent, all that skill, all that expertise would be channeled into making good businesses better. And, and the bad businesses would, you know, they'd fail because they've got lack of talent and, and you know, people helping them in that area. So, you know, that's, I think, how marketing can heavily influence things. And I guess, and I guess you know, from, from, you know, Geraint, Gemma and I writing this book, you know, we, we're pretty serious about that point and, and feel strongly about it that, you know, marketing has a responsibility and sustainable and uh, marketing, you know, I remember one of the climate guys, I've mentioned this a couple of times, you know, he said, it's an oxymoron, you know, how can, how can sustainable and marketing go together? But, but, you know, we need to, we need to make that right. And, and I think that, like you say, marketing is 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 well positioned to do that. But even if it's it's not a case of go and work for these organisations, because let's face it, not not all organisations are perfect. You know, there'd only be a very few of them that right now you True. could go and work for. So you know, it would be almost better if those marketeers come back to their own consciousness, because we know it's there, and and realistically ask the questions, the uncomfortable questions and say, what are we doing? You know, what, where, what are, you, you know, this is kind of where our book was coming from to say, 
we've learned so much. We are not climate experts. We are not sustainability experts. This is Gemma and I. You know, you you sit in a different you know uh, remit to us, uh, Sarah. But 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 what we have learned is is made it that we we um we want to do the right thing you know and we will question and we will challenge and we will take ownership and take responsibility and it's really calling out other marketeers to do the same so that regardless of which organization they're working with they can start to ask those questions and then maybe make the decisions about you know what maybe I could affect some change here. And if you really can't affect some change and support this organization, maybe it is time to move on, you know, and, and, and set up my own adventure or go and find somewhere else that, you know, is brilliant. But, but wouldn't it be great if we could start to use that power for good, for good yeah. in wherever we are right now to even provoke and prod and make boards feel a little bit uncomfortable about, you know, you're not looking at this. I've been doing some research with our customers. You know, here's a business case. We need to be doing something and we need to be doing something now. And, and therein, you've just hit the nail on the head there, I think. Um, this whole point about challenging, um, I absolutely agree with you that marketing's role is to challenge. If it's protecting a brand's reputation, it, it ha- absolutely has to, to challenge. And, and the first thing we have to do, going back to the trust issue, is stamp out greenwashing. Oh, no, yeah. we the minute yeah. we um, go along with a marketing claim that we know isn't true, we become complicit. We come become part of of the problem. So, so marketing has got to 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 absolutely challenge. And for me, this is not always easy. No. Um, and I speak to a lot of marketing people who, you know, quite often they feel too junior. They feel they don't have the authority to to challenge, you know, their boss is maybe just handing something through to them. So that's difficult. Sometimes you have kind of um, agency client dynamics whereby the agency sort of doesn't want to appear to be being negative. Mm. And so they sort of go along with things. But we have to professionally challenge all of those marketing claims. And, And we have to do it not just from a legal point of view, you know, can we legally say this? We have to do it from a, okay, legally we can say it, but morally, should we say it? Yeah. You know, um, are we over embellishing? Are we missing something? Are we distracting attention away from something else? And the point you made there about customers is one of the frameworks I use, it, it ends up saying it's challenged like a customer basically, which is, okay, what could our customers potentially be um, wary of here, and do they have a right to be wary? Because I think if you can put it into that third party, into the the mind of the customer, yeah. it's not a sort of personal thing where you're saying, "I don't believe that." No, you're saying, "Let's just question it and scrutinise it as if we were one of our most conscious consumers." Yeah, and it's a bit like, um, oh, I think it's innocent who um, they in every meeting they have the sort of metaphorical extra chairs for the environment and for society it's a bit like that conscious consumer chair that everything you're looking at you challenge from the the viewpoint of your most conscious consumer absolutely and I think you know your book the ethical business book you know provides practical advice on what businesses can be doing right now and you you pulled together didn't you all all the different 
best parts of of and frameworks and things and and put them all into one book and we we've also got in in sustainable marketing a framework that people can follow and you also have an assessment tool um on your website as part of your business and um yeah it'd be really interesting i'm sure our listeners will be you know what what does that assessment tool do in essentially um yeah thank you um yeah i mean i that my book basically came about because uh, I read a whole bunch of books and I, you know, I essentially cherry picked all the stuff that I thought was really, really useful yeah. because a lot of books, unlike yours, I must say, um, a lot of books are quite single issue. And so you have to read the whole book to, to get the point. Yeah. Um, so what I did was cherry pick quite a lot of stuff and, and put it all into a concise little practical guide. And, and I think what you did with, with your book, which I loved, was the fact that you just developed that out and you, you really, you made it comprehensive. You, you had all the case studies, you know, the whole thing linked together, but you kept um, that pre- practical element, which I think people really want. Yeah. Um, and particularly with your, with your action plans, you just made it easy for, for people to follow. And I think... I think that's what's really important is to make this easy for people. Yeah. yeah. And so um, when it comes to my, my business assessment, it's, it's just about 45 questions. They're yes or no. And it just takes you through different areas of sustainability. Answer the questions. It takes less than 10 minutes. And what I can then do is, first of all, I send you back your responses, which in themselves can be quite enlightening. Um, particularly when half of them I don't know. Um, but also I just do a little sort of one page on, well, here's the stuff you're doing well. Here's the stuff that clearly uh, where the opportunities lie. And here's maybe some resources and, a, and, a, and additional bits of advice and guidance that might help to get you over the next hurdle to, to, to keep momentum going. But I think that's, that's really important to me for any of us in this conversation is that we need to be making this as easy as possible because it's not easy. Yeah, Something exactly. that you again you yeah. know, highlight very well in your book. It isn't easy. It's, it is complex. But, but you know, the, the thing we kept coming back to is we've got to make this so there are no excuses. You know, you could, there's no excuses not to do something, not to start asking, not to start taking action because like your assessment, I mean, there are some very complex assessments out there, you know, that where you've got to get the whole organisation involved to to go through the assessment. You know, we know about some of these assessments, uh, but realistically, unless you're seriously, seriously, you know, you've got the whole board on board and, and ready to go and you're looking for something very detailed to go through, organisations realistically are not going to do that unless they're forced no. to. Whereas your assessment and the, the stuff we're doing is, is, is look, there's no excuse now, guys. You know, there is no excuse. You can do this and you can learn something from here. You can get started. You can, you, you know, th- there are actions that anybody can do. Anybody Absolutely. can do. And I, I think one of the things that we share is that we're still talking to businesses that are at the stage of lobbying for internal buy-in. Yeah. Um, and any tools that we can equip people with yeah. to help with that internal lo- lobbying that and I think in itself is uh, is in, important for people to um, to be able to push things within their own organisations. 
provide with clarity. And Gemma, I think, you know, we found our, our strap line for our CAM marketing save the box because it's stop making sustainability somebody else's problem because I think we say it on every single podcast. Um, yeah. So, so Sarah, what would you say, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to any business, whether they are lobbying, whether there is a conscious marketeer, whether they are a conscious board and they are concerned about where to get started, what advice would you say to them? I would, um, I would certainly say, first of all, to try not to be overwhelmed by it because it can be completely overwhelming. And so it is impossible for businesses to become fully sustainable overnight. It just isn't possible. Every business has got to start somewhere. And a lot of businesses, you know, if you're a startup, you can start as you mean to go on. You can build a business around a strong purpose and a a, moral crusade to some extent. But if you've been in business for a long time, you're going to be having to retrospectively, you know, refit the business with all of this stuff. And that is not easy, but you've got to understand how important it is. You've got to understand the commercial benefits of this in the future. You know, one thing I'm always saying when you're talking about sustainability, try not to talk about it, particularly in the business arena. Don't be too worthy. You've got to speak the language of business. You've got to make the commercial case. And the commercial case is really strong. You only have to look at the conscious consumers, employees, the managing risks, all of this stuff. You've got to make that case. And you 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 make the point in your book as well. That is key. We have to remember that we're, you know, I'm not a scientist. So I can't um, stand here and, and talk to businesses from, from a scientific point of view. I'm someone who has worked in and around business for 30 years, and I now have read a lot and understand a lot more about this. So I can overlayer it onto what I already understand about business, and, and I know it makes commercial sense. I mean, it does. It, it does. I mean, there's, there's studies and there's studies after studies and we cite a number of them in our book around, you know, these are the we, we had our, uh, our podcast guest yesterday absolutely talking firsthand about the, the, the commercial, not just the commercial gains, but the savings yeah. by switching to renewables and, you know, just saving on on various things that they were doing. So. Um, so, yes, that, absolutely. That. That's what that's the language of business, isn't it? And we have to we have to come in it from be and be commercial a hundred percent. Yeah. So we're going to round up now, Gemma. Is that okay with our yeah. our last three quick fire questions? Yes, indeed, it's the quick fire round. <laughs> um, so, I guess I'll start with number one. Um, Sarah, can marketing save the planet? On its own. No. <laughs> Can I just add one thing, though? Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to be really honest. Unfortunately, marketing folk don't always, and it's sad, but they don't always have the, as much influence as I wish they had on things like supply chain management and product development and all of that big stuff. But they can represent and represent forcefully the customer. It's about our voice, isn't it? Our powers for good. You know, as we said at the start, we've 
done a massive job of getting us to this point. Let's start getting us out of it with even more renewed vigour. And, and I think there's a whole other conversation there about marketing moving its way up to the C-suite, you know, which is which is where it should be. Um, you know, the heart and soul of the, the brand, the business, the customer, you know, if that's not in the boardroom, then, you know, that's for me, that's a failing. Like um, I say, it should be the conscience of the business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But like we say, that's another podcast and we will get round to that. Um, <laughs> but and so... What do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Better, more resilient, and kinder. Kinder is quite perfect. Indeed. And um, I know you, we touched on this just previously um, in a longer question and answer, but if you were to give one piece of advice to others around getting started with sustainable marketing, what would it be? Uh, it would be choose to be a, a marketing superhero. Yay! Don't love be it. the uh, the villains of the past. Um, use your skills for good and always market with integrity. Yay! Excellent. Thank you, Sarah, for joining we us today. That. We applaud that. Yep. Thank you so much. <laughs> love that thank conversation. You. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you.